Okay, we're talking about half-life. So, as a rule of thumb, we can assume that steady state is reached after about four half-life. Because after four half-life, you are basically at 94% of steady state. So, that is roughly as good as 100%. And also, when you stop the infusion, after four half-lives, that you have about 6% of the drug left, you can assume that the drug has been eliminated. So rule of thumb, four half-lives, you are in steady state, four half-lives of decline, basically not much of the drug is left. So, you know, but after four half-lives, they are around here. This is useful because if you put somebody on a drug and after four half-lives, they do not respond, it's likely that they are not going to respond because by 94%, they are a steady state, they should be responding, okay? Now, a couple of properties about the half-life. If you double the infusion rate, you double the concentration at steady state. Now, that's the idea of the first order kinetics. Now, you double the infusion rate, you double the concentration at steady state. But the half-life is a constant, so the time required to reach the steady state will always be roughly about four half-lives, okay? Which factors can affect the half-life? Well, half-life, you remember, is a derived parameter that depends on the VD and the clearance. So you can affect the half-life by affecting the VD or by affecting the clearance. So the factors that affect the VD, for example, obesity will increase the half-life because it affects, you know, increases the VD. The pathologic fluid, so edema, will also increase the half-life. Effects of clearance, there are more. Aging will increase the half-life. Induction of the P450 enzymes, as we saw the other day, will decrease the half-life because you have more copies of the enzymes, so you, you become a faster metabolizer. Inhibition of the P450 will increase the half-life. Cardiac failure, liver failure, renal failure, all of them will affect the clearance and therefore will increase the half-life. Okay. So some drugs actually don't follow first order kinetics, actually show saturation kinetics of elimination. Fortunately, these are very few, these drugs. So why is that? Well, we saw before that most mechanisms involved in elimination of drugs are saturable. And we saw that the wide majority of drugs do not saturate those mechanisms. That's why you get first-order kinetics. But some drugs do. Okay, so in this case, this drug, the concentration of these drugs are higher than the KM. So you see what is called nonlinear kinetics or saturation kinetics. Hmm? So when that happens, then again, we have to go back to Michaelis-Menten. So this is the general one. But in this case, we have a situation with these drugs <laughs> in which the concentration 
can be much higher than the KM. So the opposite of the drugs we saw before. So if that is the case, we can make KM negligible, and therefore the rate of elimination will look like this. So we can kill the concentration, and you get Vmax. So in this situation, the drug concentration is round here, and the mechanisms of elimination are working at the maximal velocity, Vmax. Hmm? So in this situation, we call it zero order, because you can see the velocity, the, the elimination rate is no longer dependent on the concentration of the drug, because here, you know, you can reduce the concentration, you are in the plateau. This is seen with very few drugs. Aspirin at high doses, ethanol, and phenytoin. The only drug that is problematic is phenytoin, because it's, it's an anti-epileptic, so you have to give it, you know, daily over time, and therefore it can be problematic to uh, administer. So, properties of the saturation kinetics. So, in this situation, the rate of elimination is maximal and becomes independent of drug concentration. So, it's called zero order. In this situation, a constant amount of drug is eliminated per unit time. Remember that with the first order, a constant fraction was eliminated per unit time. <coughs> if you plot plasma drug concentration versus time for a zero-order drug, you get a straight line. Notice this is not a log of the concentration, it's the concentration itself. So for zero-order, this plot is straight. Okay? Why? Because you are a Vmax. Remember, the slope of the curve reflects the elimination rate. If the elimination rate is constant, then the slope will be constant. So that's what you get a straight line, okay? Clearance is not constant in this situation and varies with the concentration of the drug. <laughs> Again, going back to Michaelis Menten, you can see clearance is rate of elimination over concentration, so it will be Vmax over Km plus concentration. So you have concentration in there. So the clearance now is not constant. Actually, it depends on the concentration. Hmm? The hash life, which depends on clearance, is no, not constant either. So the concept of four half-lives to steady state cannot be applied to these drugs hmm? because, you know, the clearance changes. So, what is the problem with these drugs like phenytoin? So, if you have a drug with first-order kinetics, like the wide majority of drugs, imagine that you're given this drug by regular IV injections. So, you give you know, a shot, you know, get decline, another shot, and so on. So, after about four half-lives, you're going to reach steady state. So, meaning all the peaks are the same, all the troughs are the same. So it's easy for you to basically target the peak and the trough to get into the window, not the therapeutic window we defined the other day. But if you give 
a drug with zero order and give a bit too much. Once you saturate the mechanism of elimination, the concentration will be uncontrollable, will keep going up and up because you're exceeding the metabolic capacity of the P450 enzymes and so on. So it's very easy then to get into the toxic area by excessive dosing with a zero-order drug. Okay? So let's wrap up a bit and compare and contrast first order and zero order. First order, you got this you know, exponential decline and a constant fraction of the drug is eliminated per unit time and the rate of drug elimination is proportional to the plasma concentration of the drug. Zero order, you get this straight line, constant amount eliminated per unit time and the rate of drug elimination is independent of the drug concentration because you reach Vmax, so it's a constant rate of elimination. Okay? So now we have all the pieces in place. We're going to try to do what we said that we would do, to design a rational dosage regimen to try to optimize the therapeutic effects and minimize the incidence of a, a, a adverse effects. So, to maintain the plasma concentration within a specified range, so the, the window over long periods of time, what we use is called a schedule of maintenance doses. Okay, so here we are thinking of patients who have some sort of condition like, you know, for example, high cholesterol, high pressure, whatever, and they are taking a drug for a long period of time, once a day, twice a day, three times a day. If, on top of that, you would need to achieve a target level quickly, then you use a loading dose, and for that we know we have the VD. So the dosing plan is based on the knowledge of the therapeutic window, the clearance, and the VD. Okay? So the window, as we said before, determines the range of plasma levels which are acceptable in your regimen. So you have the minimum effective concentration and the minimum toxic concentration. So you have to make sure if you're giving the drug by you know, individual doses, like for here, for example, that the peak is not above the minimum toxic concentration and the trough is not below the minimum effective concentration. So you have to keep things in the window, okay? In most situations, so you give the drug regularly to maintain a steady state of drug in the body. Okay, so you give the drug you know, regularly, you generate a steady state, <coughs> and you try to keep the plasma concentration of the drug in that steady state. So that means just enough drug is given in each dose to replace the drug eliminated since the previous dose. Okay, so you give a dose, some of it is lost, you give a second dose which replaces what is lost and brings back the concentration to the steady state, okay? So when you reach the steady state, 
the dosing rate, so the rate in, so what you are given, must equal the rate of elimination, the rate out. Okay? So at this point, we can say that dosing rate at steady state equals rate of elimination at steady state, and we know that rate of elimination is clearance times concentration. That's the equation we saw before. And now we're going to divide it by the bioavailability, which allows us also to calculate dosing rates when we give the drug not by IV, but by other routes that need the bioavailability because they have first-pass effect, like, for example, the oral route. Okay? So this is very important. No? So we have this equation before, but now at steady state, we can also put dosing rate equals clearance times concentration because at the steady state, dosing rate and elimination rate will be the same. Okay? So if the desired concentration is known, the clearance will determine the dosing rate. Okay? If you give doses intermittently instead of an IV infusion, then you calculate the dose by multiplying the dosing rate, for example, in milligrams per minute or per hour, times the dosing interval, for example, six hours, eight hours, and so on. So just to, to, to refresh this, no? so rate, uh, dosing rate equals clearance times concentration. No? So if, if, if they tell you we want to maintain a concentration of whatever, knowing the clearance from tables, you know which dosing rate you need to give to maintain that concentration. So you always have, you know, basically three parameters. Concentration, clearance, dosing rate. Given two of them, you calculate the third one. No? So an exam question may be, you know, which dosing rate you need to achieve this concentration, but we give you the clearance and you calculate the dosing rate. Okay. Okay. So let's see the possible dosage regimens that we have. The simplest case is the case we have been using so far as our example, the continuous IV infusion. This is the simplest uh, type of regimen. When you give the drug as a continuous IV infusion, but the rate of drug entry in the body is always constant. No? So you have the patient in a drip, you are given the, a, a constant dosing rate. The plasma concentration of drug rises until the rate of drug eliminated balances the input rate. Now, this, we've seen this, we are repeating this already. So eventually, you reach a steady state. Okay? And we have the typical equation we see many times. Rate of elimination equals clearance concentration. So when the rate of elimination balances exactly the rate of administration, you reach the CSS, the steady state concentration. So the steady state equals the infusion rate or the dosing rate over clearance. Okay? So as we said before, clearance is constant for the majority of drugs, drugs that follow first order kinetics. Therefore, the steady state concentration will be directly proportional 
to the infusion rate. Notice if we are saying, saying the same thing over and over again. So if you double the infusion rate, you double the steady state concentration. Okay, so they are directly proportional. Okay, and as we said before, the time course towards steady state is dictated only by the half-life. No, so 50% of steady state after one half-life, 75 after two, and so on and so forth. So we can assume that after about four half-lives, we reach roughly steady state. Okay. When you stop the infusion, the plasma concentration will decline to zero with the same time course. No? So again, dictated by the half-life. Okay, same story before. So you go up and then you come down. Okay. Let me show you this. This is uh, actually from the, the small group that we use in the fifth term. So it gives a bit more of numbers, a bit more of reality to the story. No? So this is a drug that has a half-life of eight hours. Okay. And it's given in a way that the steady state concentration is about 86 milligrams per liter. No? So you see, when you plot the concentration versus time, so after one half life, you are exactly at about 43, okay? Which is half of the future steady state. And then you go, but after a nine half life, 75% and so on, no? So, and then we, let's discuss for a second the loading dose. Hmm? So imagine, for example, you're giving somebody an infusion of antibiotic, but the patient is uh, not well, it's an emergency, and maybe the VD is large, so the half-life is long. So, for example, you will reach steady state maybe after 20 hours, so you cannot wait so long. So let's give a loading dose to reach the target concentration quickly. And, of course, we have the equation we said before. The loading dose is VD times concentration, the target concentration. And we put the F in case we want to give the drug orally, for example. No? So this, again, is the drug being given by infusion, and this is infusion with the loading dose. No? So you give a big dose that reaches 86 right away, and then you continue with the infusion. But you reach steady state right away. So you don't have to wait, you know, roughly here about 32 hours to see the effects of the antibiotic, for example. Okay? Yep. First you give the loading dose, and once you, you reach the, the concentration, you institute the infusion. So you catch up right away. Because the patient will die. <laughs> when, when they go blue, you know. No, I mean, the, the <laughs> but hopefully that's not going to happen. The, the you, knowing, knowing the target concentration and the VD, you know exactly which loading dose you have to give. So hopefully you're not going to kill the patient in that way. No? 
So, you know, basically, the, you get from the tables, the VD, the target concentration is known, and so you calculate the loading dose based on the target concentration and the VD. Okay, yes? Bioavailability. Yeah. In case you want to give the drug by oral routes or a different routes. No? Otherwise, it's just one. No? Because we are talking about IV, but in general, the equation involves the F just in case. Okay? Okay. Wrapping up so far, these are three equations you have to know. Okay? Dosing rate is clearance times target concentration. Loading dose is VD time concentration. Half-life is 0.7 times VD over clearance. Okay, with these three equations, you can ace the step one, the step two, and the step three. Okay? At least the, 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 this, this question. Huh? So, <laughs> case two, a bit more complicated. Fixed dose, fixed time, interval regimen, meaning you're not giving the drug by constant infusion, but you're giving individual doses. For example, individual IV bolus injections, okay? When you do that, you're not gonna have this nice uh, curve plateauing. You're gonna have fluctuations in the level of the drug. Mm -hmm. So the simplest case of this is when you actually give just one single IV injection. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the concentration shoots up and then declines exponentially with time, as we saw before. So we are assuming always first-order drugs. So case 2B, when you have multiple IV injections, okay? So then the plasma concentration will increase until you reach a steady state, but we fluctuate about a mean, okay? So we will not have really a CSS, but we will have a steady state because at, at this point, see, all the peaks are the same and all the troughs are the same. Now, so here you have, again, the same drug I mentioned before with a half-life of eight hours. You see, you give the first shot, it goes up to 60. After eight hours, which is one half-life, you come down to 30. So this is the simplest situation in which we are giving the drug every half-life, okay? So when you give the second shot, 50% of the initial dose remain. So you give the second shot, so you're adding 60 plus 30, you go to 90, no? After one half-life comes down to 45. Then you add 60 more, you go to 105, and so on and so forth until after about four half-lives, you reach steady state. So all the peaks are about 120, all the troughs are about 60, okay? So there's a steady state, but there's not actually uh, a concentration steady state because fluctuates, huh? Now, there are many ways in which you can give the same daily dose. So you can give small doses at shorter intervals or bigger doses at, less, uh, at longer intervals, less frequent intervals. So obviously that will 
affect the fluctuation. So if you give small doses very frequently, you're going to have little fluctuations. If you give big doses infrequently, you have big fluctuations. But the theoretical CSS will not be affected, and the rate at which you approach steady state will not be affected either. But you see, for example, this <laughs> three dosage regimens. You have the constant IV infusion, two units of drug a day, then IV injections, one unit twice a day, and the green one is IV injection, two units of drug once a day. So the three uh, regimens give the patient the same amount of drug per day, but in different ways, okay? But if, for example, if I tell you that the window is like that, you can see that the green regimen is not acceptable, okay? Because the peaks go above the, into the toxic area, and also the, the troughs go a bit, bit below. But mainly the problem is that you're going to have a high incidence of adverse effects because of the peak. Hmm? So the window determines how infrequently you can give the drug. Okay? Obviously, you try to give the drug as infrequently as possible for the convenience of the patient, but not as infrequently that you go above or below the window. Okay? And the final case is when you give the drugs <coughs> orally, which by far, obviously, is the most frequently used type of regimen. No, so here you have a single oral administration, and you can see how the, 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 the uh, form of, the, of, of the, the graph is different. So first of all, you see the concentration of the drug going up because the drug has to be absorbed into the systemic circulation. No, it's not an IV ball. So you see the drug going up. Also, the, the peak is rounded, okay, and then it comes down by elimination. So with oral uh, route of administration, oral uh, formulations, you can actually manipulate the rate of absorption. No? For example, you can have the same uh, drug in a formulation which is rapid release, no? like the blue curve, or slow release formulation. Okay? So that you can manipulate the excipients in the tablet and vary the absorption. For example, uh, for pain control, you can have, say, morphine, in a slow release formulation for maintenance and a rapid release for what is called breakthrough pain, you know, when you want to quench the, the pain quickly. So in the slow release formulation, what you have is like you have the peak is delayed, the peak is lower, and you basically you try to imitate something a bit more like an infusion, you know, because you have higher levels at later times. Now, so for example, in this way, you can take maybe just one tablet a day and the concentration is maintained by this low release. Okay. And then you can have the multiple 
oral administration. No? So again, it's the same idea. You see the drug going up, the peaks are rounded, and so on. So the, the, the shape of the curve will be influenced both by the absorption and by the rate of elimination. Okay. So just to wrap up a bit, uh, I want you to familiarize yourselves with the shape of these curves. No? So when you see uh, you know, a concentration versus time kind of curve, which is typical of pharmacokinetics, I want you to recognize what is the root of administration. Hmm? So we have typically you know, plasma concentration versus time. So IV infusion will look always like this. No? So we start from zero, we'll slowly increase and then eventually reach a steady state. Okay? The IV bolus injection, you don't see the drug going up, you just see the peak and then the decline. Multiple IV injections, they look like this. No? Single oral administration, we just saw, you see the concentration going up, the peak is round, and you get the decline. Multiple oral administrations, you know, again, you have many peaks rounded. Okay, so you need to be able to recognize these type of curves and associate them with the type of administration. Okay, just to finalize, uh, a very brief example of a numerical type of question, just to show you right away how easy PC these kind of questions are. Of course, we're going to see more this Friday in the IMCQ number nine. Immediately after the IMCQ number nine, I will post the questions of the IMCQ number nine, plus two sets of practice questions, pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics. I know that by a certain technical mistake, these things were already posted. I hope you have forgotten them by now, and, uh, and then you find them new. They are not exactly the same. They're going to put them on Friday, okay? So this is an example of a calculation, okay, of a maintenance dose. So let's say a target plasma theophylline concentration of 10 mg per liter is needed to relieve acute bronchial asthma in a patient. Okay, so it's a situation of an acute attack of asthma. We look at the tables and we find that the clearance for theophylline is this. And this is the way things come in the tables. No? 2.8 liters per hour in a 70 kilogram man. Okay, that's the way the tables show the data. Let's assume that this patient is 70 kilograms, so we don't need to do any adjustments. So what should the dosing rate be? Okay, so we are going to give the drug as an IV infusion. So the drug will be given as IV infusion. So F is 1, so bioavailability is 1. Dosing rate is clear. This is the equation 
that by now it should be engraved in your, your, your frontal lobes, which is dosing rate is clearance times concentration. So dosing rate is 2.8 liters per hour times 10 milligrams uh, per liter, 28 mg per hour. Okay, easy piece, you know. So the clearance is 2.8, the concentration is 10, multiply them, and you know that it's 28 mg per hour in this patient. Therefore, the infusion rate will be 28 mg per hour. Okay. Now let's say that the asthma attack is relieved, and we say, let's stop the infusion, let's switch to oral theophylline instead. So let's give the patient the theophylline every 12 hours using an extended release formulation that will approximate an IV infusion. We go to the tables, the bioavailability for oral theophylline is 0.96. We might, uh, we could all, all, almost ignore it because it's almost one, no? So 12 hours, okay? So the dose every 12 hours will be the dosing rate times the dosing interval. So the dosing rate was 28 mg per hour. So every 12 hours, we just multiply times 12 and gives us 350 mg. We divide by 0.96 to take into account the bioavailability of the oral formulation. So we get 350 mg. So every 12 hours, you give 350 mg. If you want to give it every eight hours, it would be 233. If it was every 24 hours would be 700 mix. You see these things? Now, once you get uh, the equation, you, know, you just plug in the data, you get the result. It's a safe, a guaranteed point in the exam. So don't be afraid of it. Thank you very much again. Have a nice evening, and I'll see you in the next lecture.